Hey everyone, I'm Scott Branley. And I'm Alicia Coakley. Every member of the church has a story to share, one that can instill faith, invite growth, and inspire others. On today's episode, we're going to hear how one woman's dangerous addiction and destructive choices in the past are now being used to help others share their stories of coming back to the gospel. Welcome to Latter-day Lights. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Latter-day Lights. We're super glad that you're here and we're really excited to have our guest speaker today, Ashley Stone. Ashley, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. So I'm really excited too. Ashley, we just happened to be in like, what was it? This, one of the moms groups on Facebook or something or one of the church groups. I don't know what it was, but I remember you put a post up and you mentioned how you were starting this podcast um, and you were looking for people. And I was like, oh, like I have family that fits that description that you're looking for and stuff like that. And so we kind of, I reached out to you and we've, it's been really neat, like being able to see like your podcast and the growth that you guys are, you know, coming along with. Um, we've even shared a few guests, haven't we? <laughs> we just found out. It's really, really cool. It's like, it's such a big world, but then it's such a small world, you know? And I, I love yeah. that. So sure. well, yeah, when I, uh, when I first reached out to you and heard your story and all that stuff, I was like, oh my gosh, she would be amazing to have on the show. So I'm very, very excited to actually hear it in person for the first time. I haven't, I didn't cheat. I didn't go listen to anything else. I just, I read little, you know, blips and that's about it, but <laughs> we're oh, very yes. happy to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm excited to be here. You guys are doing something awesome. So I'm happy to be just a little, you know, part of it. So thank you. <laughs> Awesome. Cool. Well, Ashley, why don't we? Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So um, I've I'm married. I have two kids, a six year old and a two year old. Um, I work for a software company in the addiction recovery space. So um, the company I work for kind of provides the the infrastructure for addiction recovery programs and you know, everything that they do. So that's been cool. I've been working there for about three and a half years and I love it. Um, and yeah, I, I recently started a podcast, um, and that's been something I've been working on too, which has been fun. So I, I love to run. I'm a runner and, uh, I love running half marathons. I love, um, going on vacations with my husband and my kids. And <laughs> yeah, that's, that's me. Awesome. Awesome. Very cool. Do you want to tell everyone real quick before we get into your story what your podcast is? Yeah, yeah. So my my podcast is called Comeback Podcast. And it is a podcast sharing stories of those that have come back to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, and that could be from addiction, like a, any period of time that they were out of the church, some have stories of a faith crisis leaving because of that or leaving because of, you know, addiction or because for whatever reason they were out of the church for a period of time and sharing their story of coming back and why. So um, it's, you know, we're on Instagram, TikTok. Uh, <laughs> we are on Spotify, Apple and Google podcasts so far. So awesome. awesome. Well, I sympathize with you. I know how much work a podcast is. It's way more than anyone 
could ever imagine it being, but, um, I, I think it's awesome what you're doing. I think it, I think the world definitely needs more uplifting, encouraging types of podcasts that they can listen to. They need to be able to associate with other people, other members of the church. So I love that you're, that you're doing that. Well, thank you. I feel the same way about you guys. So (laughs) yeah, it is a lot of work, but it's very rewarding. It is. And it's, it's amazing how, how many people have these amazing stories that you just never would know Mm -hmm. in your, in your little space that you, you know, you go to work, you, you visit with your friends and family, but outside of that, like you wouldn't have access to this. Right. Mm -hmm. So totally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, great. Well, Ashley, why don't you tell us your story today? Okay. I will. So, um, I grew up in Southern Utah in St. George and I grew up in the church. I, at a young age, I had a testimony of the the gospel and I remember you know, at my aunt's house, I read this like children's Bible and it was the first time I ever felt the spirit. Like I felt this warm feeling. And my mom was like, Ash, that's the Holy ghost. And that was like the first time I ever felt the spirit. And, um, you know, I was a rule follower when I was a kid. Like I was always trying super hard. I was always, um, like the top of my class. And I remember my third grade teacher wrote me a letter and said, I hope my daughter grows up to be just like you. And little did she know that (laughs) a few years later, she would be not saying that, but um, I I just tried really hard to do what was right all the time. And in middle school, I started to kind of stray away from the path and I um, just started to um, you know, hang out with friends that were not in the church and not, you know, doing, you know, the best things. And, um, I, I started to experiment with drugs and alcohol, started smoking pot the summer before ninth grade. And I kind of thought that, you know, I would have this like feeling of like, stop, no, don't do that. But that feeling didn't really like come. I was like, kind of like, okay, I'm just going to like, you know, step a toe over here and see what it's like. And, um, and then I just kind of started taking those steps in that direction. And the first time I drank alcohol, I was like, okay, I have confidence for the first time in my whole life. Like I finally Mm. felt like that confident feeling that I had been lacking for a long time. And I was just super insecure. I felt like I was fat. I felt like I was not cute. I felt like I wasn't cool enough. Like all the things that, you know, um, an insecure middle school girl goes through and, um, and alcohol solved that for me. Like, um, so I started drinking all the time. I was hanging out with way older guys and that was my, that was what I did in ninth grade and 10th grade. And And then in 10th grade, I was actually going to the high school that my dad taught at. And I was just major into drinking and drugs. And, and my poor dad is like an English teacher at the school. And he's like, just so sad. Like he just like wants me to be happy. And, um, and he, um, So halfway through my sophomore year, I made the decision, like, I'm going to go to Mill Creek. It was the alternative school in St. George. And, 
you know, where all the like kids that couldn't hang in high school or, you know, got pregnant in high school or whatever, all of those kids went to the school. I was like, that would be better for me. Like, you know, I, I should go there. And I will never forget walking down the hall and my dad, like seeing my dad and thinking like, okay, my life is a, like, this is a big choice. Like this is about my, my life's about to take a big turn. So I went mm-hmm. to this school and I was just totally off the deep end. I ended up like running away from home. I had this boyfriend that was way older than oh. me. And I like was just, my parents couldn't get, reach me. Like I just stopped talking to them and I was just like staying with my boyfriend and partying and, you know, doing my thing. And my parents, um, one day I just decided to call them and tell them that I was going to go to school because I decided I was going to get on packets. Like essentially I was going to drop out and I was going to, to make myself feel better. I was going to say that I was doing packets and like at home school, basically Mm -hmm. I show up at the school. And when I show up there, there's two people dressed in all black and I'm 16 at the time, by the way. And there's two people dressed in all black and they're like, Ashley, if you don't cooperate, we're going to handcuff you. And I was like, wait, what? (laughs) Like, what is going on? And they pulled me into this room and my parents are standing there with just this somber look on their faces. And I just like remember (sighs) looking at them and just like shaking my head in disgust. Like, how dare you? How dare you? you know, whatever you guys are doing, like, how dare you interrupt my fun in my six, like in my life. And I'm just this bratty, like the brattiest 16 year old you can even imagine. Like I was horrible. Oh. Like, I, I am scared for being a mom. Of a- <laughs> <laughs> I was so bad. Hmm. And, um, so anyways, I, I just, you know, I, they took me to a, a adolescent facility and I was there for 15 months. And it was a lockdown facility and like the type of facility that like, you can't tweeze your eyebrows, you can't shave your legs, you Mm. like, it just, they strip you of everything that's like, you know, you use to whatever, like cover up any emotions or (laughs) anything. So you're Mm -hmm. only left with yourself in your whole raw form. And it's, it's interesting because now like for my work, I, I sell software to these same programs. so (laughs) It's just like totally coming full circle, but anyway, so I'm in that program. And one thing that it taught me was that I could be sober. Like I could have fun and laugh and have friends and be sober. Like I, I could do it. And um, I had a therapist in there that he was actually a bishop at the time. And he was friends with my cousin. Wrong. I don't know. Like, but he, he just um, was like kind of a dad figure to me. And he's still one of my really great friends to this day. Like I, he was such an example to me and he was like a light to me during that time. Like I was like desperately searching for something that felt like home. Like I was, Mm -hmm. I was just place that's like this foreign place to me away from my family away from everything that I know and like he just like had the spirit with him and like I kind of like gravitated toward that because you know I was I it like this church felt like home to me and so he was just like like 
I don't know, like just like a dad to me during that time. And like, I just like, that's one of the the special things that I took away from that program. And um, anyway, so I graduated the program. Two months later, I was partying with my friends again, just like, you know, going (laughs) off the deep end again. And my poor parents, like looking back now, I'm just like, oh, like I was such a brat. (laughs) But um, anyway, so I... uh, got back with that same boyfriend that I was dating before. And at this time he was doing heroin and I hadn't been doing that before. And I was just kind of like, you know, I'm just going to like try it. Like I had some dramatic evening and I was like, yeah, I'm just going to like try it and see what it's like. And I did it the first time. And then I did it. uh, I did it like a couple times after that. And after doing it three times, that's when I started to feel not okay without it three times. And um, then I just started feeling like my heart was racing. Like I was like, like I had anxiety really bad. Like I remember my mom calling me and I just burst into tears. Like, Oh my gosh, like I'm not okay. And the only thing that would make me feel okay was if I used heroin again. And so that kind of is what got me in that vicious cycle. And it was just like what all of my all the kids I was hanging out with were doing. And I, I like, you know, now it's like heroin. That's like, a, we don't just see that around, like, you know, and <laughs> at the time it was like, just like everybody that I knew was, they were involved in that drug world. And it was just like kind of the norm, I guess. And mm-hmm. so I got, you know, I was doing heroin, I was hooked on it and um, I went to jail I went to rehab. I went back to jail. I went to rehab. I was in and out of all these places. Meanwhile, my dad is like doing everything he can. Like as a kid, my dad worked a lot. Like my mom was a stay at home mom and my dad worked two jobs. He was a teacher and he did, uh, he was a general contractor. So he was working all the time. And like, he, I felt like, you know, like now, at the time I was like, Oh my gosh, my dad wasn't around when I was a kid. But like looking back on it now, I'm like, Oh, my dad was working his butt off. So my mom could stay home with the kids. And, Mm. uh, but like that did cause like some, you know, feelings for me when I was a kid, like, you know, I had daddy issues a little bit. And, um, and so like when my dad was coming to rescue me, like he dropped his whole life to rescue me and take me to these treatment centers. And I kind of felt like, you know, it felt good that my dad was like, he just showed up for me. Like I needed somebody like I was, I was a mess and, and he showed up for me and he's like, he, he didn't like enable me. He, uh, but he would take me to treatment if I said I was ready to go. Like he would drop everything and come get me and take me to treatment. And, um, then like after just, I, they couldn't, they didn't know what to do with me. I was a mess. Like I, was so bad. And they were like, okay, we're calling the cops on her now. Like at first they were like bailing me out of jail. And then they were like, okay, we're calling the cops on her. And I got arrested in my parents' living room. I'm sure my little sisters still have PTSD from that to this day. <laughs> um, but uh, I went to jail and I was there for four months. And, um, and then I went through the drug court program in St. George and, um, I was sober for about a year. And 
this was kind of like an interesting time in my life because I wasn't going back to church. I was sober though. And I wasn't like, I was smoking cigarettes like crazy. Like that's what we did when we were, you know, my crew, all my like recovering drug addict friends, we were all <laughs> just like smoking and like hooking up with each other. Like just not a clean lifestyle whatsoever. Just like not, not a righteous life. And I didn't feel complete. I didn't feel whole. I felt like there was something missing. And I, I still, I just really struggled. Like I struggled inside. I felt like there was something missing in my life. Like I, mm -hmm. I just, I don't know, like there wasn't that purpose there. And like, it wasn't like I had any like angst against the church. I wasn't like, oh my gosh, like the church felt like coming home to me. Like that's how it felt. It, I wasn't mm -hmm. going, like. I felt like, oh, like, like I wasn't like wanting to go to the church, but I wasn't like not wanting to go. I just like it, it wow. that was like a feeling of home. And I was just like too wild. Like I, I like loved that wild lifestyle. And, um, and then I graduated the drug court program and I went right back to doing drugs. <laughs> I, I went right oh, back to heroin. Gosh. I got a job in Arizona. I went out to Arizona and I was working out there. And one of the, my coworkers, like I could tell he was high on opiates. And I was like, what do you have? I want some. And um, mm. like, I can't even like relate to my thought process now, looking back on this. I'm just like, how was I so stupid? Like I was so dumb, <laughs> but that was just, you know, that was just what I that was my brain. I, I was just young and dumb. And so how, how old were you at this point? So at this Man. point, I'm probably about 21-ish. So you've been doing this for about how long now? So off, I mean, heroin since I was 18. But okay. uh, wow. and then I had a year of sobriety when I was in drug court. But um, so, yeah. And I, I actually just started, like, everything was snowballing. Like, I first mm -hmm. I lived with my aunt. And then I was just like, okay, I can't live here anymore. Like, I am super strung out on drugs. Like, it's going to be really awkward if she has to confront me and be like, Hey, like you got to get out of my house. And so I was like, Hey, I'm out. I moved in with my boyfriend. His, his dad was selling drugs. His mom was on drugs. Mm. His brother was on drugs. I was on drugs and he was on drugs and we were all living in this drug house together. Wow. So dark, like such a dark, dark time in my life. And we just, we used to, we, used to live and we lived to use our whole life revolved around drugs, like getting drugs, mm -hmm. getting money for drugs. That was our life. And finally, like I wanted to get clean. I, I remember just like making all these plans, like, okay, I'm going to do this. Like I'm going to get these Suboxone pills. Like Suboxone is this pill that like takes your withdrawals away. It's for people that are coming off opiates. Okay. And I was like, okay, I'm going to like stock up. I'm going to buy them illegally, obviously, and like stock up on these pills. And like, I have this plan and, but it's just like, I couldn't do it. Like I was so hooked on drugs. I could not do it. And like, wow. I should have died. Like I was doing, like, not only was I on heroin, but I was mixing all kinds of drugs. I was just, Ugh. I had nothing was off limits. Like I did everything. I was so just... I don't know. I did everything. And so anyway, like I remember my mom having a conversation with my sister and she was like, Hey, Ashley's probably going to die. Like we need to be prepared for this. Cause she's probably going to die. Mm -hmm. And, um, I thought I was going to die. Like I, I didn't see, I couldn't see how I could continue living this life. Like how, like 
how do I like keep living? I'm either going to go to prison or I'm going to die. And mm -hmm. finally I called my dad and I'm like, dad, like I need help. Like I really need help. I'm going to die. And my dad dropped everything again for like the 15th time and drove to Arizona and he's picked me up at my boyfriend drug house. And I got in the car and we had this big like back and forth thing of like, where am I going to go? Where is he going to take me? Where like, you know, it was just this big mess. And finally he found a bed for me at the Salvation Army in Fresno, California. And we had wow. heard that the Salvation Army was really good. It was a free program, which was nice because my parents dropped like so much money trying to help me. And mm -hmm. um, so in that moment, my dad's like, okay, Ashley, like if I take you to this program, are you going to run away or are you going to stay and do it? And I just thought, sat there and I was like, I don't have it in me. Like I want drugs, but I don't mm -hmm. go steal something and then like sell it to get the money for the drugs and then find the drug dealer. Like I just, I don't think I can do it anymore. And right. so I put my seatbelt on and we drove to... First, I made my dad go to get my prescription of Xanax and like, so I could like eat as many Xanax pills as I could. <laughs> and we drive to Fresno, California, and he drops me off at a detox there. And it's, if you're familiar with Fresno or if anyone listening to this is familiar with Fresno, there's a lot of gangs in Fresno. It's very hardcore. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm this like little girl from Utah coming to coming to Fresno to detox in this free detox for county residents. And so just very hardcore. Like I'm totally just like, I'm, I'm one of these people, like we're all detoxing off drugs together. A lot of them are like fresh out of prison or about to go to prison or just like very, very hardcore. And so anyway, I'm there for 10 days. I'm detoxing. My dad is like, I call him. I'm like, I need cigarettes. Like I need this. And my cute dad, who's like, just would do anything to help me. He's like going to the store and buying me cigarettes. And like, <laughs> which is so, like you know, my dad's like, not, he's like very in the church. So mm -hmm. but at that time, he just like wants me to like do the program. So right. anyway, so I'm there, I'm doing the program, um, the 10 day detox. And then my dad drives all the way back from St. George back to Fresno to take me to the Salvation Army, which was like right up the street. But he just wanted to make sure that I got from detox to the Salvation Army. And so, um, and that was February of... 2013. So my sobriety date is February 10th, 2013. So that's when that was. And wow. so I'm at the Salvation Army and he, they have me sign this paper when I get there that says like, I am going to be part of the Salvation Army religion. And I was kind of like, I don't know about that. Like, you know, <laughs> is this what God wants me to do is like, go to this Real, like, does he want me to go to this religion? You know, that's not what, how I was raised. And mm -hmm. I was like, well, whatever, I guess I got to do it. Like, you know, I, yeah. I have to do this. So, you know, that made me think twice, but I was just like, whatever. So then I, I go in there and it's, I'm working in this warehouse for 40 hours a week. We're sorting stuff that people had donated to the Salvation Army, tagging it, like putting it on racks and going through all this stuff. And I'm just like, writing my parents' letters. This is slave labor. Like, I can't believe <laughs> this. Like, I hate this, you know, but I'm in Fresno. 
that a place I've never been in central California. I'm just, I, I didn't know, you know, where I was going to go if I left. And so I just kept going every day. And then one day the preacher brings me into his office and he's like, Ashley, choose the Bible to use while you're here. And there, he has this shelf with like a hundred Bibles on it. And I'm like the only LDS person in this, in this program. And, um, and I'm like, okay, I'll choose the pink Bible because it's pink, you know, and I <laughs> me the Bible and I open it up and there's a book of Mormon bookmark in this Bible. And I'm like, what the heck? Wow. Like, is this real? Like, how is this possible? <laughs> I am the only person, like somebody must've donated the Bible and right. just like, it, and it wasn't even like a, like a church Bible. Like it was a pink, just I don't know. Like it wasn't like a, I don't know. So wow. the chance of that being in there and me getting this Bible out of all of those Bibles. And I was just like, okay, God, obviously like this is him <laughs> telling me like you're supposed to be here. And on the bookmark, it said, read the articles of faith. And so I went back to my room that night and I read the articles of faith. And one that stuck out to me was if there's anything lovely of good report or praiseworthy, we seek after these things. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know what? Like we had heard that the Salvation Army was the most successful treatment center in the nation. That's what we heard. And so I'm like, they do a lot of good stuff. Like they're the Salvation Army has a good reputation. And um, so anyways, I was like, okay, I'm sticking this out. Like I'm doing this. And so I, I'm getting towards the end of the program and I'm kind of like, you know, I can't really imagine my life with zero alcohol. I I just can't imagine ever having fun without alcohol. How could that be? And I just couldn't picture my life being like that. And then I get an email from, this is like a crazy (laughs) connection, but the librarian of that adolescent facility that I was at when I was 16, he was actually really good friends with my aunt, which was like such a small world, but he, we just kind of stayed in touch because he was a member of the church and one of the only ones at that program I went to. And so we kind of talked about church stuff while I was there. And so he just remembered me and just sent me a random email asking me how I was doing. And I told him I was in Salvation Army. And he says, Ashley, if you read the Book of Mormon every single day, I promise you will never go back to your old ways. And so I thought, you know what? I have nothing to lose. Like, I have nothing. I am... Mm -hmm you know, I've got nothing. And so I took that challenge and I have literally read the book of Mormon every single day since he told me that every single day. Wow. Now, like, even if it's just like two verses, I do not skip a day. Like I don't. Wow. And so president Nelson, he gave a talk and it says, if we immerse ourselves in the book of Mormon every single day, we will be immunized against the evils of the day, including mind numbing addictions. And Mm. that is so true that like, I am living proof of that. And it's just, I don't know. It's awesome. So anyway, going back, like, so I'm reading the book of Mormon every day and I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm trying this. And I was like, I don't know if the church is going to make me happy. Like, I just don't, I tried it when I was a kid. I like, you know, went out and, but I have nothing to lose. Like I, I have nothing. So I'm just going to like do this little experiment. Like I'm going to experiment and I'm going to see if the church like does something for me. Like if it, it like 
make, makes me feel a different way. Like I went through the drug court program. Like I was going back to St. George to live with my parents and I had already been there. I knew all the people, like I had already done that. And I was just like, I'm going to just try this. So I, and one of the things about Salvation Army was it was a Christian based program. And so like I was doing a lot of Bible study. I was really learning about Christ and I loved it. Like I loved music. I loved, um, I felt very connected to God during that time, but I did feel like Mm -hmm. was kind of missing there. And so anyway, I start meeting with my Bishop and I, you know, go through the whole repentance process. And like, I, I talked to him about all of that and he's, like, okay, like, let's start working towards your limited use temple recommend. And I'm like, okay. So the thing was, is I was still smoking and I was still drinking coffee and I was still, you know, just doing all the things. And I was like, okay, I have to, if I'm going to do this, like I have to quit these things. And for somebody that smokes and drinks coffee, it is your root, it's almost harder to quit than the drugs. Cause like mm-hmm. the drugs are destroying your life like so quickly that you're like, okay, I know I need to quit this, but coffee and cigarettes, they're not like destroying your life in like an immediate, you know, right. like you can still function and do those things. And so like, um, I mean, not that coffee destroys your life, but like cigarettes, <laughs> you know, definitely can hurt you, but mm-hmm. it's not such an immediate like effect on your life. And so it's just really hard to quit it, especially when you're so like addicted to it. Right. But so I started like chewing Nicorette gum and I started like just drinking like other things instead of coffee. And I, the only way that I can describe this is that the enabling power of the savior's atonement helped me to quit those things that I had been hooked on for years. Like that were my every day, like every mm-hmm. morning I, wake up and I do this. And that was the like almost the biggest miracle of all that I was mm-hmm. able to quit those things in order to get my temple recommend. And wow. so anyway, I, I get my temple recommend finally. And I go to the temple with my YSA ward to do baptisms for the dead. And I'm in there and I'm kind of like waiting for this like big, huge, like light to come down from heaven. Like, <laughs> oh, God, you arrived, you know? But it wasn't like that. It was just like I went in there and I like did the baptisms and I was like, you know what? I feel better right now. Like I feel good. I don't feel this like explosion of fireworks, but I feel this like peaceful, like still feeling. And mm-hmm. I'm going to just like keep I'm going to keep taking that next step. So I did. I just like kept taking the next right step. And um, I I had to um, I had some a warrant in Arizona from a DUI that I got out there. And <laughs> I, I was doing really good. I moved to California and I was working, I was doing sales in California and, um, I had just like some really good examples of like some of my friends that I was working with. They were such good examples to me of like normal people. <laughs> and, um, they were, I, I really looked up to them and, um, and, we just went to church every Sunday. That's what we did. We met with the Bishop. We just continued on our spiritual path. And then I got asked to be in the relief society presidency. And I was like, 
are you sure about this? Like, <laughs> and, um, so here I am, I'm in the Relief Society presidency, I'm doing my thing in my singles ward, and I have to go turn myself into the jail in Arizona. Not just oh. any jail, but Tent City, Sheriff Joe Arpaio. So I know some of the listeners know who Sheriff Joe Arpaio is, and Tent City Jail in Arizona. And I'm terrified. Like, I am so terrified because at this point, I'm a year and a half clean, like maybe two years. And I'm just like trying to do all the right things. And I'm like, why do I have to do this? And I actually read something in my patriarchal blessing that references um, that God works all things to the good of those who love him. And I'm like, really? Like, could he even work jail to the good? Like, is that, <laughs> can he do that? And then later that day, after I read that, the missionaries come to our apartment and what their message is, is that God works all things to the good of those who love him. And I was oh just my like, gosh. is this really that, like, he wants me to hear this. Like this message is for me. And mm -hmm. so I'm like, okay, like I just have to do this. I was so scared. I was scared they were going to keep me in there. Like they were going to find something on me because I was bad. Like I did a lot of bad stuff and I was scared. And, um, you know, I was a different person. I had a change of heart and I was going back to this place that was, you know, a really dark place that I had left. And just being in Arizona where I was on drugs and all that, you know, like I just didn't want to go back. And so, um, but anyway, my Bishop, he was like, you know, what? I have a cousin out there. I'm going to see if you can like stay with them. Cause not only did I have to go to jail, but I had to be on house arrest and I had to like wear this ankle monitor <laughs> bracelet. Wow. And so I was like, I had to like move there, you know, for at least like two months. And so I'm like, okay, like my Bishop's going to call and his cousin, and this is going to be super awkward. And so he calls his cousin and he's like, Hey, I have this girl in my ward who has to turn herself into the jail for a drug DUI. And like, can she stay with you? <laughs> and, and then the, the cousin of my Bishop, they were like, let me think about it and get back to you or whatever. And then they're like, yeah, she can. And Wow. Now, like looking back on that, I'm like, I don't know. Like, I have little kids. Like, I don't know if I could do it. And, yeah. And but that family that I moved in with, which is so funny because the the dad, his name's David, he's actually a judge in Arizona, which is funny because oh, wow. I didn't have a driver's license at the time. And he was driving me. I had to do work release at the jail. So I had to sleep at the jail for a week. And he was driving me back and forth to the jail because I didn't have a license. And they just like welcomed me into their family. And day, they are some of my best friends. Like they, uh, they, I call them my adopted parents and they call me their adopted daughter. And they are Aww. some of my best friends in the whole world. And like, it was so cool to see how <laughs> God worked all things to the good. He took that jail experience. And he gave me these people that are lifelong friends forever. And like, just That's awesome. Like I just talked to her brother, like they are family. They are family to me. And I, it's just so incredible to see what, what God will do with our, with all of our stuff. So, um, wow. So anyway, yeah, that's like, that's that whole story. Sorry if I'm making this really long-winded. No, you're okay. <laughs> no, this is <laughs> fascinating. Like edit anything out that you want. <laughs> but um, 
so just kind of like wrapping it up, I'm, I'm living out there in Arizona and I, um, actually met my husband at a 12 step meeting when I was 18. Like I had just gotten out of that adolescent facility and I don't know why I showed up at that 12 step meeting. It was a church 12 step meeting. And mm-hmm. I just saw him there and I was like, dang, he's so hot. Like, I, yeah, and he got my number. And then we didn't talk for five years until I was sober and he was sober. And I just, we reconnected on Facebook and we're like, Hey, I see you're going back to church. Like you're sober. Like, how's it going? Blah, blah, blah. And, um, and then I rest was history. I flew out to Utah and, um, we ended up getting married like eight months later. And, um, and now, so now what we do is we speak at firesides. We, and my husband has the same story that I do, like different, but the same. And if you Mm -hmm. want to check out his story, he is guest two on my podcast. So, Oh, perfect. Uh, yeah. But he uh very similar story. And um, so yeah, we we spend our time um, you know, serving in any way that we can. Um, we kind of feel like it's our mission to use the experiences that we've been through to help other people. And we mm-hmm. both have almost 10 years clean and sober, and it's the, the way that the gospel like has transformed our life is so undeniable. Like I, there's a lot of people these days that hate on the church and they say the church, they have all kinds of things to say. And I've heard about all the things since I started my podcast, like all the comments, all the, Mm -hmm. everyone has something to say. And I'm like, you know what? I am not going to sit and be quiet anymore because the church truly was the only thing that changed my life. I mean, not the church, but the Savior's atoning sacrifice. It changed my heart and it changed my life. And I'm a new person. I am not the person that I was 10 years ago. Like I am Um, a completely different person. And it is because I decided to go back to church and see if the Savior's atoning sacrifice was really for me. And if it really does work and, um, and it does, and I, I have joy and I have peace and I have happiness in my life and, Um, and I, I love the gospel and, um, I'm not perfect, but I try to do everything I can. Um, I try to do everything I can to stay on the Lord's side of the line. And, Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that's kind of my story. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's incredible. You know, it, when you were speaking there for a moment, uh, I got all choked up, you know, when you were talking about how you're your family had that conversation about, Hey, we need to, we need to just realize that there's a very good chance that Ashley, Ashley's going to die. And, um, I got really emotional cause I have a, an older sister who's been addicted, you know, for decades at this point. And we've had those conversations as a family. And so, um, being on the flip side and being like the sibling that has to hear that and has to be like, okay, well, like what's, what's that going to look like? You know what I mean? And, and watching my parents, I've seen so many times where my parents have just, they have just tried and tried and tried. And then, you know, my dad, he, um, he asks all the time. He's like, at what point do you give up on your child? And he's like, you don't, you don't, you don't ever give up on your child, especially if we're trying to be like our heavenly father, our heavenly father will never, ever give up on us. You know, and I think that that's such an amazing thing that you had your parents who didn't give up on you, even if they, you know, made you really mad, (laughs) you know, um, 
And even if, you know, maybe they did things um, that they look back and they're like, oh, maybe we shouldn't have gone about it that way or done this way or whatever else. The fact is that they, they never gave up on you, you know, and I just, mm-hmm. I love that so much and hearing your story, it gives me hope for my older sister and, you know, um, you, I'm sure you know how incredibly blessed you are because there are so many people who have gone through these addiction recoveries, just like you had multiple times in the beginning and it, and it doesn't stick. It is so, so hard to completely stay away from it forever. And I love that that's the one big change with what kept you clean is you had the gospel too, you know, like when you finally got to that point where you were taking all of the good tools. And I think that that's, that's super important, right? Because our heavenly father gave us these facilities. He gives us these medicines. He gives us these doctors and psychiatrists and, um, and all of these different programs to help us along. But the one thing that's going to really pack a punch is the gospel is reaching out and, and using that atonement in your life. And so I just love that you incorporated that into your story to let people know, you know, there's, there's hope and it's definitely a lot Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot more. There's a lot more power with that hope when you when you have the Savior by your side. One hundred percent. And one thing I want to add is that I, when I was younger, I thought the church is so restrictive. Like they, you know, mm-hmm. now that I'm doing all of these things, I'm so free. I can do whatever I want. I can drink. I can smoke weed. I can do whatever I want, and I don't care because I'm free. I have, and now I just think. I am so grateful <laughs> that the church tells us not to drink alcohol. I am yeah. so grateful because, you know, I don't have to worry about, like, I have this whole community of people that are sober and I don't have to worry about like going to a church event and everyone's like getting tipsy and <laughs> I'm feeling awkward. Like mm-hmm. I, I am so grateful for that because I look at, you know, other people in my life and the things that alcohol has done and the damage that alcohol has done. And I'm just thinking people that aren't even, you know, affiliated with the church whatsoever. And alcohol is a, it's all alcohol causes problems in all these different places in their life. And it's like, I am so grateful for the church Mm -hmm. telling us, like giving us these commandments and things to do because they keep us safe. They prevent us from, having to experience really, really hard, sucky things. And, you know, maybe some people feel free, but, you know, I, I feel like I am safe when I'm doing what the church asked me to do. And I had to learn that the hard way. That's interesting. Just the, the difference you've been in the darkest places that anyone could ever be in, but then you've also been in the brightest and lightest places. You know, it's neat. Um, one of the things that I tell my kids all the time, whenever we have these conversations, especially about, you know, drugs and drinking and things like that, is I let them know, I'm like, you don't know until it's too late what your addiction is. Yeah. You don't know. Mm-hmm. And so why would you ever play around with any of those things that could lead you down a really dark path? You know, it may be fun, but you don't know. And especially, you know, um, in doing like family history and stuff like that. Oh my gosh, I have so many addicts of everything on both, like all sides of my family. Like, 
we're just, uh, you know, I'm like, we are just, our DNA is completely saturated with addiction for something, you know? And, and, um, I love that you, that you mentioned that, but it's, it's not, it's not a freeing thing. It's not like, oh yeah, I get to do all this stuff. It's just, you just don't recognize how heavy those chains are that are shackling you because all of a sudden it's like, you think that you're free, right. But you're really just, you're just being connected to whatever addiction it is and whatever crazy lifestyle you have, you know? Yeah. 100%. When I was, uh, well, so I have a brother that was a drug addict when he was younger. And I remember one night my mom (laughs) called me frantic and, and she told me he was, he was going to go kill himself. And he, he was driving around in his car and I was searching for him in my car, trying to find him thinking that I might never see him again. And luckily he didn't. But, um, when I was a Bishop, I had two people that were drug addicts and I don't know why they found me, but (laughs) they kept coming to my house and, and I'm so naive that I, I tried to help them and initially gave them money because I didn't know they were drug addicts and they, Anyway, long story, but both of them ended up dying from drugs. Yeah. Gosh, that's so hard. Well, can I ask you, Ashley, I mean, you've been through these programs. You obviously have this firsthand knowledge and stuff. For those who are listening, who have a loved one who is addicted to drugs, um, especially drugs, you know, but, but even if it's, you know, alcohol or something else, um, what kind of advice would you give them? in, you know, how do they navigate that? Like, what's the, what's the best course for encouraging without enabling, Mm -hmm. but also pushing to like be better and, and not losing hope? Like, what would you say to those, those families? So my dad was the best example of just Christ-like love and not enabling me. He Um, he always let me know that I, he loved me always. He always loved me. And like, my mom even got to the point where she was like, I like, I have four other kids and you are like, I was, I was awful. And she got to the point where she had to like close her heart off for me because it was too painful for her. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And my dad just really had to deal with me because my mom like, didn't she, it was like too hard for her. And my dad, he just, he never stopped loving me and letting me know, like he always answered the phone and he always would talk to me and I would, you know, I would ask him for money and I would ask him for stuff and he wouldn't, he wouldn't do that for me, but he would, if I said I was ready to get help, he would drop everything and come take me to treatment. And, um, you know, and it doesn't have to be like, it gets to the point where you, drug addicts are so manipulative. Like Mm -hmm. you have to be careful. Um, I think what I would suggest is going to a family support group. And I mean, if you're a member of the church, I would suggest going to the church support groups. Um, I've done, my husband and I have both been 12 step facilitators, um, off and on. And I think it's a great place for you to, you know, connect with other families so you don't feel so alone. Because I think when you first get into that position, it's like, what do I do? I don't even know like what to do. This is so foreign to me. But if Mm -hmm. you can share your story, you'll find people that know exactly what you're going through. And that's, 
um, you know, being able to open up and talk about things and connect with other people, it just like you, it will give you hope. And so I would just say loving them and um, not enabling them. And if you have to kick them out of your house, kick them out of your house. If you have to call the cops on them. If my kid was using drugs in my house, I would call the cops on them. And um, no, like anything that happens to them, like with the law and charges and things like that, it can all be worked through. And, you know, nothing is more important than preserving their life <laughs> because especially mm -hmm. nowadays with fentanyl and all the things that are, I've had over 30 friends die from drug overdose, over 30 of them. Oh, and close friends like that were close friends of mine. And it is so like, it just gets worse and scarier. And, mm -hmm. um, so that's what I would, if it, if it was my kid, I, that's what I would do is I would say, I love you so much. And that's why I'm doing this. <laughs> so, um, yeah. that's what I would do. Just love, 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 but don't enable. Well, thanks Ashley. Wow. What a story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm. I'm so I feel like I'm processing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. What What a great story to be able to share now. I mean, I, I'm sure that was hell to live, but I mean, mm -hmm. you can help so many people just through through mm -hmm. what you've been through. Yeah. And you, I'm sure you'll help people on on our podcast today. So thank you so much for. Yeah for being on. Did you have any last uh, words of advice or thoughts? Yeah, I do have one last thing to share. And it's just reiterating that God works all things to the good of those who love him. He even can take a gnarly heroin addiction and turn it into something cool and helping other people. And, um, you know, I wouldn't change my story. Like I would, I would probably change like hurting my family. Cause I, that like kills me today, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, they're, they all are in the same place. They're just, you know, my, my family, like we're in this together. My dad shares his experience and it's like, it's all brought back full circle. And it's amazing wow. to see what things in your life and challenges that we go through can be turned into something amazing. So that is my final thought for the evening. <laughs> well, thank you so much again, Ashley. This, this has been incredible. It was definitely one of my favorites <laughs> so far. Very, very inspiring. I, again, I love what you're doing with the podcast. I love, you know, just hearing that you're still giving back with um, the 12 step meetings and stuff like that. And in your job, I think that that's amazing. Um, and I, I just, I'm just, okay. I'm going to tell you something. Um, my, uh, my brother, he passed away a few years ago in a car accident and his best friend uh, struggled a lot with addiction. Um, and af at the day after his funeral, his best friend shared the story with me. And uh, he said, you know, that my brother wanted to go. Zach wanted to go and he wanted to support Cody at one of his addiction meetings. And so he sat there quietly in the back of the room and he listened to everybody get up and tell their stories. And at the end of the meeting, um, right before they closed up, my, my brother kind of raised his hand and asked if he could speak and if he could just share a little something. And he got up in front of the group and he said, um, I don't know if you guys have anybody in your life to tell you this. So I want, I want to be that person. And he said, but I'm so proud of you. Keep trying, you know? And so 
I just want to tell you, I'm sure you have so many people that are telling you this, but I just want to tell you for myself um, and kind of in memory of my brother, you know, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of the changes that you've made, you know, and, um, and for any of our listeners who, who are on today and who are working towards trying to get rid of one of those addictions and trying to really change their lifestyle. Um, I want you to know that you guys, you guys have people who are proud of you, that I'm one of them. And so is your heavenly father and your savior, Jesus Christ. And, um, and, uh, there's hope. There's hope. You're never too far gone. So, all right. Well, <laughs> with all the mush, sorry. <laughs> um, thank you again. Um, for our listeners, if you guys enjoyed this story, can you guys please, please, please be sure to like, share, comment, um, get this episode out to other people so that they can um, be able to feel the spirit that we were able to, to feel today, that maybe their testimonies can be ignited or, or grown in some, some kind of way. Be sure to check out Ashley's podcast. It's called Come Back. Um, like she said that it's on Spotify and um, TikTok and all of these places. We will go ahead and put um, some links in the description for your podcast when we when we get this one aired out for you guys too. Uh, anything else, Scott? I'm just so glad that you came on and that you have the courage and and strength to be able to share that story with other people. And I'm just mm-hmm. I was thinking of just amazing it is that you have kids that Mm -hmm. you can carry on your legacy and and how different your life might have been without the gospel and without changing your life so thanks again for coming on and all the best with your podcast and yes yeah we'd love to have you on and some other time in the future too so i would love I'm it. sure you have other stories that's great <laughs> awesome awesome well till then thanks again and thanks everyone for for coming and being part of this with us and we will talk to you again next week when we share another story thanks see ya bye guys <laughs>